Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to be a part of the program, all my contact information is in the description of the show. And if you wouldn't mind subscribing and uh, reviewing and (laughs) rating and doing all those things, uh, that would help me out as well. Uh, So (laughs) there's a lot of talk about AI and how it can help with this thing and how it can help with that thing. But can it help with traffic flow? Can Can it make our commutes safer or faster? It's an interesting question, and the company Recore Systems out of Maryland, they are working on the answer. Joining me now to talk about how AI can make our roads safer and better is David DeHarnay. David is president and COO of Recore Systems. You can find them at Recore, R-E-K-O-R dot A-I, and he joins me now. David, thanks so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Good to be with you, Jason. All right, David. So, do you ever get confused? I'm sure you do with a Canadian hockey player with your same name. It's a cousin. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Indeed. And I, I bet it's got to be a little frustrating because you Google your name and then boom, that's all that comes up. Yep. Yep. Exactly <laughs> correct. Exactly correct. All right. You've you've held several high level positions in a wide array of companies. Did you ever see yourself studying AI technology, especially when it comes to traffic and roads? Uh, not for traffic and roads, no, but it's uh, it's been throughout my career for sure. And the application of AI to traffic and roads is a natural. And it's one of those, I would say, old industries that is ripe for disruption. And I think a really good use case for AI for sure. So let's get into exactly what Recore does. What is Recore all about in its simplest terms? So Recore is an AI-based company that we deal in roadway, public safety, traffic management um, kind of use cases. Our customer sets are global. Uh, really, it's really to drive better, faster, smarter, greener roadways. Our main mission, our vision is to really improve the lives of people that are on roadways and communities. And there's a big political and public outcry to address these big concerns. Uh, A lot of fatalities in the roadway, congestion, mental health, just the frustration of driving. (laughs) You remember that uh, Volkswagen commercial in the 80s and 90s, the the Arfanugan, the joy of right? (laughs) Nobody talks about that anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we don't really talk about uh, Volkswagen anymore. I mean, they're around, but they're not as popular as some of the other brands anymore. It's like talking about Peugeot. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, and I was reading on on your website, that uh, Recore provides comprehensive, continuous, and real-time roadway information using artificial intelligence to keep tabs on the movement of traffic and other roadway data, as well as keeping road construction workers, truckers, law enforcement officials, and drivers safe as it identifies current and future traffic trends. That's a lot to say right there. But what really interested me here is the future traffic trends. So are, are you saying that some of this AI technology can maybe predict where we're going to see the heavy traffic, where we might see a crash, where it's likely to happen. Is it like Minority Report, except in, except in, if we're not looking for criminals, we're looking for crashes? Yeah, it's a, it's a reality today. It, it's something that we've been able to look at through, through connected vehicle data, the triangulation of, of video analytics, being able to use AI, looking at roadway geometry, weather conditions, uh, what's coming off the, the vehicles, what we're viewing from the, the roadway and be able to predict within a, a, a two-hour, three-hour, four-hour window the probability or the prediction of a potential crash. Uh, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for traffic management centers that their job is to make sure roadways are moving and you know free of congestion or incidences are removed. Then get ahead of that. It's a, it's a game changer for them. So with knowing... A, a likelihood of a crash or, or another incident happening in a specific area, is, right. that, is, is that information valuable to first responders maybe that they could be positioned in certain places to then maybe respond quicker? They can. I mean, it's a number of different ways they can approach it. The main hub for that, Jason, would be like a traffic management center. So like Colorado DOT, where they have to work across agencies with first responders, with maintenance crews, with, you know, the the freeway service providers uh, and highway patrol to be able to address whatever might happen. So a, a, a typical response could be as simple as, hey, that 
that prediction of a potential crash, let's throw up a digital message sign to make sure that people slow down or we do something with an overhead sign. That's a simple approach. The other approach would be to put, for example, a highway patrol officer under a, um, a, a freeway, you know, like just to be able to sit there. And I don't know about you, but I, I automatically become a better driver when I see an officer on the yep. side of the road. Right. So those kinds of things are, again, proactive measures. Sometimes it's even an empty patrol car. But knowing ahead of time gives them the opportunity to prevent, uh, you know, fatalities or, or or incidences on a roadway, and they have a number of tools at their disposal to do that. Interesting. Could it, could it also this predictive technology also help maybe with road designers and traffic engineers design a road in a specific way to then lead to a specific outcome, slowing down traffic, let's say, because we already know there are certain ways, roundabouts and bulbs and other things to slow down traffic. But maybe could the AI help in, in, in road design on interstates or even off interstates? It's actually being used for that as well. So another big customer for us is planning and operations departments within a department of transportation that are exactly looking at that, Jason. But they have to look at classification, counts, and speed data for vehicles that are you know, crossing the roadway. They look at the roadway geometries. They can understand if there's a, a lot of electric vehicles that might be there, where we might look at the concentration and patterns and, and what kind of charging, level two, level three chargers, what might make sense based on the make the model, the color, all of those kinds of analytics um, are being done today. They're being done with our technology. In fact, they're being done in Colorado, across Colorado. We've probably done close to a million different studies across the state wow. uh, as an example, but we do it all over the country. But exactly, a planning up, it will determine, do they add a lane? Do they need to add a lane? Do they need to add a bike lane? Do they need to add a different um, cautionary measure at an intersection because of a, a turning count or a near-miss technology as it's some, sometimes called? So yes, very powerful technology. These tools are amazingly sophisticated and and uh, those tools have not really been available to the traffic management centers that are looking at cameras all the time, all the time and figure out what's going on. My guest is David DeHarnay. He's the president and CEO of Recore Systems. We're talking about AI-powered traffic services can can that ai uh information come maybe come to me so that i can help drivers get somewhere faster and make and allow them to make quicker decisions uh, on their commutes indeed actually so we we work with um it's not public yet but we work with a very large oem that has 16 different brands underneath your hood to actually surface insights within the cockpit of the vehicle in your infotainment center so, you know, much like everybody has today. That's one way. Second thing is is being able to, however the traffic management center or the Department of Transportation in the state communicates to people, sometimes it's AM radio. I know that sounds weird. I, I, I've never personally used it, but it is a channel. Sometimes it's other social media or something, whatever the communication vehicle they have at disposal, we work with that and we push information out about exactly what you're talking about. And, and, and a scary thing, Jason, as you can imagine, there's a such thing as a wrong way driver, oh, right? Yeah, that sure. surprised the heck out of you. It would surprise the heck out of me. And to know that's coming towards you ahead of time would be a game changer. And that's the kind of stuff that we're solving for even already today. Yeah, especially in real time. I've seen that happen when because I go to work at three o'clock in the morning and I've seen that happen because somebody has been drinking or 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 not paying attention, obviously, and and driving right at you. And it is unnerving when you see that and you're going 65 and somebody else is coming back at you at almost the same speed. It's unnerving. Absolutely scary. Yeah. Uh, are, are you are you um, th there are a few ways to collect data. Uh, one of them, and you mentioned this, is to use cameras. Do you have your own set of cameras? Do you use DOT cameras as well? Uh, do you have to get permission to set these things up along the side of the highway? You know, one of the things that was very important to the Department of Transportation is they spend a lot of money on infrastructure. And what's, what, what we find is, is uh, very successful for us is we actually leverage existing infrastructure that's there. So we can we can leverage cameras that are out there already. We take the feeds in and we're looking at objects in a screen and being able to take that in combination with other things. Sometimes it's a can be our device. Sometimes it's a road sensor. Sometimes it's connected vehicle data. Sometimes it's Waze data or crowdsourced GPS data. But honestly, Jason, it's all of it. It's all of it. We take about 20 trillion data points into our system and be able to find the needle in the haystack and an actionable insight for for one of our customers and and that's really what's for but it takes existing infrastructure for sure
Yeah, I, I, I did a story oh about six months ago about a company called Blissway. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, yeah, where they have their own camera systems uh, along interstates, and it's mostly along toll roads. We're using it here on our express lanes, and what it does is identify vehicles that are weaving in and out of the express lane, and then those drivers are then fined. Uh, but they have their own camera systems and their own AI uh, software, and and, and so I, that, that's why I was thinking about this. Are are you? Is it? It sounds like it's just for you guys, more of a software system, less than hardware system. Well, we have we do have both. Um, and what's important is that existing infrastructures out there. The answer is absolutely yes. We would be able to consume whatever a Department of Transportation has on a roadway already. Now, we also have a very sophisticated set of what is called edge devices. Think of it like a supercomputer that we put on the side of the road. You know, when you think about things like data and data privacy, and oh my gosh, it's the cloud, is Big Brother watching? What about my network report? All those kinds of things, which, hey, I get it. You know, I get it. Um, by being able to do everything on the edge, on the roadway, not having to take data from a roadway and punch it into a cloud somewhere, God knows where, um, that actually provides a massive layer of cybersecurity and control. You know, so what's sophisticated about our, our technology is, yes, we do have a camera, but the camera is attached to a, basically a supercomputer on the side of the road. Um, again, it's not mandatory, um, but that's something that we can offer as well. And, and I'm jumping ahead to a question that because you just brought it up about the privacy that it it, it seems like privacy we there there are cameras obviously everywhere there are monitors everywhere i was going to we'll talk more about some of the uh thing, systems that that your system can do but it it seems like i can't go anywhere right now without being recorded without being seen will i be able to drive anywhere and not be tracked right I think that's. I think those days are over. I think if you look at what's going on, uh, just macro across the United States, for every five people, there's a camera today yeah. somewhere uh, in your neighborhood. Your ring camera that you might have as a doorbell, uh, you know, is capturing everything, and so it is pervasive. Um, it is pervasive out there. So I, I guess it's a matter of, of what are people doing with that data, yeah. right? And is it going to be um, encrypted? Is it going to be How's it going to be used? And, and that's something that we're very sensitive to. And we work with um, the government agencies. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the cybersecurity and infrastructure security part of the de uh, the Department of Homeland Security. There's a very, very strict regulations now around how you deal with data, particularly in critical infrastructure, like roadways, which is critical infrastructure. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's certainly something that is um, under a lot of scrutiny right now, and it needs to be. Uh, it needs to be handled, handled very carefully, and we support that. My guest is David DeHarnay. He's the president and COO of Recore Systems. We're talking about AI-powered traffic services and what AI can do for us on the roads. Your software, as I saw in one of your promotional videos. Uh, that that some of the software and some of the cameras are set up in parking areas, and yeah. that your system can then help with parking management. Is is that what it's mainly there for? It is. You know, when you think about parking, <laughs> it's amazing. You can't go anywhere uh, without parking somewhere. It's absolutely the destination of everybody, right? And so the folks that are managing parking in general need to understand flows in and out of out of out of uh, parking lots, for example, capacity, stay time, and more and more things like retail. Trying to understand what is coming in in terms of of uh, vehicle and traffic, and and literally the state of the plates. Like where where the, is this a Colorado plate inside of Oklahoma or in Oklahoma? And sort of you know what what kind of uh, concentrations of, of different traffics coming in, it starts to become very interesting for retailers and malls and you name it, just to be able to understand, you know, how do they better serve their customers. So we have a number of, of our customers that are on the commercial side, um, like, for example, gaming and, and theme parks like uh, Six Flags. Everybody knows Six Flags, uh, you know, the idea of having an MVP uh, customer that the gate automatically opens for the person, you know, that's, that's a, a typical use case. Or a car wash that says, you know, Jason, you, you're the gold member or the platinum member. Come on in, and the gate opens. You don't have to talk to anybody. That kind of seamless experience is what what uh, that drives. Yeah. And, and your software, as I understand it, also can read the license plates, as you said, uh, of those cars. So you, you could probably 
uh, it's not a, a far leap to say that your software could probably know look up the registration of that vehicle, know that that white Lexus is registered to uh, Dave Young of uh, Centennial, Colorado, and then can make assumptions about where, and maybe you have their age as well and their address, and you can make assumptions of uh, they're going into this shopping center where there's a jewelry store, and maybe he's going to go buy something for his wife's birthday. So is, is can you even get down to that nitty-gritty and then market to those businesses in that shopping center? Hey, this is your kind of clientele. I think that could be done. We 100% would never go down that path. <laughs> For us, that's about four bridges too far. You know, when, when you think about a license plate, you know, if you and I were standing on the side of the road, we could see a license plate, right? That's not top right. secret. When you, start, when you start taking that license plate information and starting to tie it to like personally identifiable information, that's where we draw the line. Um, that become you're you're there now. You're tripping into something that is um, just for us verboten. Um, now, some of our customers are law enforcement, and we deal in in the local law enforcement, the state level as, as well as federal. And they have use cases where you know that's you know they'll use image data uh, and they'll use that for whatever they're using it for, whatever their mission is, whatever their use case is. But that is completely erased from our system. We have a uh, what is I simply put military grade encryption on anything that would tie um, an object to a person. And so that is all removed from our system. But but certainly, um, I think AI can do that, but that's where you gotta be very careful and where we're very mindful to make sure that we are uh, drawing the line on that. Because uh, there's a camera system called Flock, and I'm sure you're familiar with them. <laughs> and they have set up cameras around me in, in our county, uh, and the sheriff's office has these cameras that are set up that are looking at everybody's license plates and if, if one of them hits as a stolen vehicle or, or a wanted person, then an, a deputy in the area is automatically pinged, the closest deputy, and then they can go try to find that vehicle. So it's already happening, at least with some systems that are already out there. Yeah, when you have a law enforcement mission, um, they have different, different uh, levels of, uh, I would say, um, permissions that they can do that you know a license plate's a license plate and they'll they'll have access just like when they pull up behind you and they look you up on their computer same kind of thing uh, so that is that is definitely a use case and it's definitely pervasive i think the lpr or license plate recognition is is broadly used uh, it's known to reduce crime um so i guess you know if you look at the from that lens equipping law enforcement with the ability to you know provide a safer neighborhood or a safer community i think that's a um, that that's a use case that makes a lot of sense to a lot of people. But yes, yeah, yeah very common. Yeah, it, yeah, because uh, I was just thinking that usually it, or it, you know, in the past, it's always been cop didn't see it, I didn't do it. But that's not the case anymore. <laughs> not always the case anymore. <laughs> you know what, what? What we do that's quite unique is we look at um, objects um, on, on a on a video, for example, like like uh, make, model, color, and year of a vehicle, right? And so it's a Ford F one fifty red. Uh, or something. We've seen 42 billion of those across our network, for example. Um, you know, that starts to become very interesting to tie into different use cases that would be more around like weights of vehicles on roadways, which is very important to like maintenance of roadways and potholes and, and wear and tear or greenhouse gas, which is absolutely front and center now for, for this administration and, and also will continue for sustainability initiatives. That ties to make model colors in years. And so it's a quite sophisticated when you start doing that. Um, and that's the, that's, the, that's the stuff I think is very, very interesting. Yeah, I saw that uh, some news about uh, Recore Systems uh, saying that you've partnered now with uh, Kitzler, making uh, the makers of weigh-in motion sensors and electronics and rolling out first-of-its-kind solutions that detect overweight trucks and warn cities and states of imminent problems with overweight trucks. Now, roadways, obviously, uh, dealing with overweight trucks is a big issue because it breaks down the pavement, it wears out uh, the concrete and the asphalt, and can be a big expense to states and cities. Now, well, you know, you're exactly right, Jason. You know what? It would be surprising, I think, for your listeners to, to know that for every one 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 truck, call it a thirty ton truck, which is not a bit. Think of it like a like a, a moving van kind of thing. That's equivalent to about seventy five hundred vehicles in terms of wear and tear. Trucks themselves uh, absolutely necessary. Obviously, it's how we get goods and services, right? But or goods, I should say. Um, but 
they contribute 99% of the wear and tear on roadways. Um, it's the biggest contributor outside of weather. Weather is obviously a big one, right? Yeah. But that's a big deal. And you start looking at overweight trucks, and in particular, in this relationship with Kistler is very, very interesting. And I would say um, absolutely nece uh, ne necessary to get this under control is that in, in, the, in the U.S., there's like 660,000 bridges. 35% of them are considered structurally deficient that big yep. scary stat you know and, and with that if the largest contributor to roadway wear and tear is a truck and 30 percent of trucks are overweight you got a problem and you got a problem on bridges so that what you reference there kistler does in-ground sensors we don't do in-ground sensors uh and that ties to our system and, and it's part of our ai to be able to identify overweight vehicles and be able to flag them and make sure that um, they can be rerouted, for example, if that's what the tra uh, the traffic management center wants to do. But those kind of sophisticated tools are really, really important and, and it's urgent. And, and you briefly mentioned this part of it, that this, this technology can monitor not only these overweight trucks, but also the conditions of overhead roadway signs, of bridges, of overpasses, which if collapsed or if there's any kind of structural issue, like you said, there's a lot of structural def deficient bridges out there uh, that you can almost predict it with the AI and and, and that would hopefully save lives and, and save property. It, 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 it would and it, and it does. And it's something that, again, is starting to become a, a big issue. Now that the Department of Transportation can see this now and they can see where on a bridge that's being impacted with a, a heavy truck going over and where that flexes the bridge and how many times that flexes before it starts to fail using strain gauges and stuff like that those are all happening now and it's something that again is is on the on the front and center of of uh, making sure that we have good infrastructure on our roadways yeah so how does the ai do that how does it take these sensors and and then make that prediction of when something bad might happen so it's got a lifespan, you know, like a, a, any roadway will have a, a, a predicted lifespan. And that lifespan will be a, a factor of traffic going over it. So if we have volumes of traffic that we can predict over time based on real world evidence, if we have the material composition of a roadway and we understand the flexing of that roadway exactly when that overweight vehicle touches that very specific part of the roadway, then you're going to get a precise measurement of how much that will degrade over time. And you can start to map out from a timing perspective, is this got two more years or three more years before it needs to be repaired? Or is it really dire and we need to shut this bridge down because it needs to be repaired? That kind of insight was very difficult to uh, ascertain because nobody really knows what's moving on the roadways. And so the fact that RAI is able to work with existing infrastructure being able to start to triangulate weather and weights and speeds and volumes and types of vehicles together, uh, humanly, that would be next to impossible to do. And, and so the AI really removes the non-differentiated lifting around that. It, it allows them to get to an answer and be able to make a prediction and take a decision. We would never recommend that you blindly just push the button yes if you if you get an answer a human has got to be in the loop yeah. humans are the are the experts on this uh, but i would say having the tools and the insights to make a better decision is absolutely uh, categorically important but but the major issue with ai right now is that it only can draw from past events it can't really think about the future it can just make an assumption of what might happen and give you probabilities it's like i i write a, a column uh, called driving you crazy and i answer viewer questions and i've actually plugged a couple of my questions into the ai and it just doesn't know where to go because uh, those are unique answers that i have created it, it does. It doesn't exist in in out there on the internet anywhere. So it, it, right. it, it, AI has to draw from these past events, and, and it really isn't uh, perfect, I guess. So you're, and you're exactly right. I mean, that, and that's something that is good to kind of maybe dive into is your prediction of the future is absolutely rooted in how much you've seen in the past. Like when you get a sense about somebody. Uh, after eight seconds of being with them, that they're a good person or not a good person, that's coming from your experience, yeah. past you know, past experiences, right? And so it's a heuristic, it's and you don't know intuition. It's more of a human intuition thing. 
Right. And you, you may be wrong, yeah. right? But, you know, but, but I would say that we all have that. We all, all carry that. But that's based on history. It's based on inferences. It's based on just, yeah, intuition. But you and I could meet the same person and I could get a bad feeling. You could get a good feeling from that same, from that person. So it's totally different than AI only looks at the past data, but we have different feelings because we're different humans from different experiences. So you're exactly right. So that's why a human in the loop is so important before a decision gets made. And before you pull that trigger, a human needs to make sure that they're in the loop. But for example, if you had a 99.89% confidence factor that that person's a bad person, <laughs> and if you could, because you've yeah. met 3 million or 3 billion people exactly with that profile, then you might go, I feel a little bit different, but this data says something else and maybe I'll be a little bit more cautious. So you'll make a better decision maybe than you naturally would. Uh, so, but I agree, history is the key. And, and that when we talk about the massive amount of data that comes into our system from literally thousands of data streams, from literally hundreds of data partners, uh, that we have like 30 and 40 years of history of everything moving on a roadway. And that when you, I don't know what you're going to do, Jason, in your vehicle on your roadway, but I know what a billion Jasons will do on your roadway with a pretty good degree of confidence. Yeah, because you don't know if uh, maybe I've had a bad day and I'm just mad. So, but, but one day, if I've had a bad day, I drive slowly with my radio off because uh, I talk all day and I, I'm done tired of talking. And so I just want to drive slowly in the right lane and maybe uh, another day I've also had a bad day, but it's because somebody made me mad and now I'm frustrated and I'm driving 75 miles an hour in a 55 zone down the highway in the left lane. So, you, right. so it, it, you, I, even I can't predict what I'm, how I'm going to feel from day to day. Even right. though there was a likelihood I could go either way, you don't know. It's a prediction. Yeah, right, exactly right. It's a prediction, and and as as you're only as good as the as the history and the volume of ver like the variety of different things you would have seen to triangulate, and that gives you a confidence factor. And that confidence factor is never a hundred percent, but it's just a tool. You know, it's just a tool to make a better decision at the end of the day. If if you're looking at it from a roadway, like we're not talking about people now, <laughs> we're talking about like managing roadways and it's it's really what's the response? Can I detect what's going on? What's the response? How quickly can I respond to that and get it resolved and back to normal? My guest is David DeHarnay. He's the president and CEO of Recore Systems. You can find him at recore.ai, R-E-K-O-R.ai. We're talking about AI traffic solutions. Uh, you, you, uh, on the, on the website or, or at least on your news channel, I was seeing that your company also has been developing or, or working in partnership about, and this was near and dear to my heart. Cause I did a story about bus driving, uh, and for school buses and how so many people are running the reds as they call it, the stop arms that are out and, and people just blow by it and almost run over children. But you're doing some kind of stop arm violation detection systems for school buses. And then you have also some automated uh, bus lane enforcement. If somebody's parked in a bus lane and, and you could maybe send them a ticket or, or send somebody out to, to, to move them along. And, and uh, th that is, is that the kind of technology that is more uh, real world helping us out right now and can uh, keep people safer, I would suppose, in, 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 in the future? Well, you know, it's it's something that, um, you know, part of our business is that we license our technology to many other folks that, that have it running under the hood. Uh, the core value that we provide to our customers and through our partners is the ability to, to see everything that's moving on a roadway and how it's interacting. Uh, for buses and stop arms, we have partners, for example, that use our technology to be able to identify what's moving beyond when a stop arm's down, what's moved beyond, and that company will have an enforcement element, you know, that they'll follow up on. Bus lane enforcement, for example, in cities is a major problem when you have traditional vehicles that are parked in a bus lane that shouldn't be there. It's a huge danger for bicyc bicyclists that are using those roadways as well as for buses trying to get from point A to B point A to point B on schedule, because if you're riding transit, that predictable schedule is essential for you if you're going to use, use uh, transit. And if something's in the way, it breaks the system. So, you know, bus lane enforcement in, in cities like D.C., uh, in New York, in L.A., this is all running technology that's provided by Recore under the hood. 
Yeah, because it seems like it would be fascinating to be able to see. Uh, and and if there's cameras involved, does is that video? You say you don't have have not all these cameras are not your own cameras, but they're the video. Are you recording that video? If there was a crash or somebody ran uh, past a bus and and you had that video. Would you provide it to law enforcement or to a lawyer or to me in the media to be able to show? We wouldn't do that. Um, I can understand. We get requested all the time, but but we don't hold that data. That data is held by our customers, and that's a decision that our customers would make. But we personally don't. Um, But again, a lot of people ask, but uh, that's not something that we would do, no. So if a private investigator came up to one of these customers saying that, hey, we think this guy was cheating on uh, his his wife and we saw his car going through one of these cameras or whatever, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't use the video to confirm that. No, sir. Okay. No, sir. <laughs> you guys are, uh, are are having more and more clients all the time. I've been reading you. You are working down in, in Georgia. You're, one of your latest clients is the Department of Transportation in New Mexico. Who are some of your other big clients and, and what are you doing for them and with that data? Well, I, I would say uh, 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 the largest roadway network in the, in the United States is Texas, Texas DOT. Um, over 700, close to 800,000 miles of roadway. And um, they're uh, a key customer for us, and uh, they are reinventing how they manage traffic based on our system across the state. And there's a lot a lot of uh, people that moved into Texas during the pandemic uh, and in and around the pandemic, and it's really created uh, a lot of issues for urban mobility and transportation management, and it broke a lot of systems. And so needing to uh, be able to address that for public safety uh, was paramount for them and things like greenhouse gas. And there's a huge push in departments of transportation for cybersecurity and making sure that anything they put out there, it's a, it's a top priority. And those are things that we easily tick the boxes on. So Texas, you know, leverages us for things like traffic management. Uh, we've seen in Texas in particular, uh, about a 23-minute faster response time than a 911 call. When you think about an incident happens, how do I get somebody out there? That's a game changer. Yeah. I mean, that saves lives. Um, another example of what we do for Texas is, is because of the way that we are consuming uh, and bringing in so many different data feeds from so many different sources, they're able to see about 49% more on the roadways and incidences to address than they've ever been able to see before. And again, that saves lives. And in particular for Texas, I mean, just even Austin alone is uh, already seeing about an $8 million cost benefit uh, back to the, the to the city as a result of savings and efficiencies, being able to respond and get things clear. So yeah, and there's that's just the beginning. Um, and that's just one state. Um, Nevada is another r- really great customer, Las Vegas. Uh, typically, Vegas will see two million people in that metroplex area on any given weekend. There's eight million, uh, and that's that really takes uh, that really compounds all the things that you would see. Think of it as New York City compressed even tighter, uh, and that's what happens in Vegas. So they got a big problem. They run on our systems because they can see more, they can do more, uh, and they're they're being able to have situational awareness and respond with the right level of uh, a performance. So. Again, it's a game changer, and we're working, you know, across the country. And monitoring all those systems that you said are in Texas, the cameras and the monitor and all these speed sensors, all those sort of things, a a human can't see it all. They can't have a screen with 180 cameras on it and know exactly what's happening on each one. If there's a crash here or a crash there, they're not going to, they're they're, they're probably not going to notice. So does the AI have the ability to then identify that, hey, in this camera, something just happened, it's unusual, and then flag the human operator to say, there's something going on here, you might want to check this out. Jason, you're absolutely nailing it. It's exactly correct. You'll have a, it, it may be surprising to folks that aren't, aren't, aren't used to looking at things like traffic management centers, but effectively, you walk into a gymnasium with a wall of screens on it. Right. And, and there's, there may be three, four, five people that are monitoring sometimes upwards of 300 different video feeds, mm-hmm. which is again, looking at an analog kind of stream coming in and hoping you see it. And a 911 call might come in and you got to try to figure out where it is. And yeah. when somebody calls in from a 911 call, they're they're usually frantic, right? And they're, they're, their ability to give you information is sometimes not what it needs to be. And so they really do struggle. So what our system does, it's able to pinpoint 
from, again, all of those things, ex including the existing camera infrastructure and say, look, here's the needle in the haystack. Here's, here's the things that contributed to that. Take a, take a good decision, right? And then furthermore, it connects between automatically between the different agencies. So we have, we have states where the traffic manage, management center and the highway patrol and the maintenance crews and the freeway service providers and the first responders are all operating on the same data and the same pane of uh, single source of truth and the same pane of glass. And that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. It, but change brings more change. So as I was thinking about your comments in Texas and how you can get first responders there so much faster, when the AI routes a first responder or finds a route that's faster, well, then that changes that traffic pattern and that changes um, how for the next event and the next event and the next event. So yeah. then that data set is changed and you don't have the long-term data to then draw from the, for the AI to draw from. And so how can it predict with, with changed data that's very recent to long-term data that's been there for a while, but now it's changing because the AI is changing how, how things are operating. Well, it's got to be in real time. So first of all, so you, you use, you use real-time data is go, is what is essential in these kinds of situational awareness. How do I respond? So we have technology that we call traffic impact, for example. So when when something happens, an incident, a mattress, a deer, yeah. a 12-car pileup, or or bad weather happens and it's it makes an impact or some sort of incident, we can look at the ripple effects uh, uh, going out quite quite a quite a distance, quite a diameter or a radius from that incident to to model what the changes will be so that if you are as a traffic management center decide you know what i'm going to detour traffic and open up another lane or, or even reverse lanes which you've seen before you know think of like a, you know we do a lot of work in florida we do a lot of work in north carolina uh, you know there's a lot of hurricanes there you know there's a lot of evacuation going on similar to california and the and the wildfires that they see got to move a lot of people very quickly and the roadways are only so large so sometimes you got to flip direction and take command what does that do? What is that ripple effect going to have? Uh, and those are things that we model for uh, in real time for a traffic management center. So they, again, can make a better decision. But yes, you're exactly right. When something happens, what are the ripple effects? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Is this, is this only, it sounds like that most of this data is going to DOTs and to first responders and to official places. Can I, as a member of the general public, use this data too? Is there, is there an app? I, I know we obviously have Waze and Google Maps and those sort of things, but is your technology going to be incorporated into other apps that I could then use for either free or a small service charge of some sort that helps me drive? Well, I would say that we work with OEMs. We work with 28 different automobile manufacturing companies, sorry, just to be clear, that, uh, that, um, are trying to always provide better levels of, of service inside of their vehicles, right? So as I mentioned before, today we're already surfacing insights and information to the to the public. You would opt in on that service through your, you know, we don't do that. That's something that would be done through your, you know, your uh, auto manufacturer. But we have use cases, um, actually quite a few that are homeowners associations that are looking at understanding what's in and out of my neighborhood, where you have a guard and a guard shack and, and, the, and people, pay their homeowners association fees and they want that level of security. So, you know, we work with security companies that use our technology and they, they put it out there and they service that. Uh, the general public, our end customer is not a consumer. That's not what we serve. We do that indirectly. Um, and our focus is really um, on government agencies, on businesses that are looking to either provide better, safer, smarter sort of roadway, greener things that, uh, on a public agency perspective. Or if it's a commercial or more of a business related, it's it's usually typically, how do I better manage my property or my corporate campuses or my, my, uh, my uh, university and all the parking and movements that's happening across my university where, where I'm managing vehicle parking and I'm managing traffic as they go from, you know, building to building and stuff like that. So yes, it's not it's not for the consumer. It's not something that we have in mind today, uh, but certainly our customers do. Yeah, but those customers know, let's say in the parking lot situation, that if they want to connect with me, they have to connect to my phone. 
And so they, they, there's got to be a way for that customer or let's say Google or Apple comes to you and says, we would like to incorporate some of this data in our mapping apps and be able to route people because that's a big deal right now with Apple and Google and Waze and, and to route people because it's fine to have it in a car that's a more a, a newer car, something that I can subscribe to. But in my 1975 Volkswagen thing, I don't have that technology. I have a phone. Right. Well, you know, that's a good point. So one of our one of our partners is Waze, as an example, right? So we we look at Waze as one of the feeds into our system, but we also push data back out to Waze. And if you ever use Waze, um, you're it's, you always get alerted. Hey, is that police officer still there, or is that accident still there? And you may or may not actually update that. So it's inherently missing things. And so we feed data back into Waze to make it better, stronger. So you do experience it today, but it's through Waze, not directly from us. So you wouldn't come to us to get that. But the way that you operate your vehicle, the way that you have your phone and how you're navigating your system, there's a good chance that we're running under the hood there to provide insights. Where else do you want to be? Because I, I was also reading you guys are uh, at least purchased or or. Um, have an agreement with what Southern traffic services, all traffic data services. So, I mean, you're, you're obviously in this for the long haul. So, uh, where, where else do you want to be? You want to be nationwide in every state, in every city? Well, we, we do business across the nation today. You know, we, we, you're exactly right. One of the things that, that you're probably familiar with Jason, but the way that states get funding for infrastructure projects is through gasoline tax, right? Nobody likes to pay gasoline tax, but it's a reality every time you go fill up, right? And there's a couple of dimensions that are happening. First and foremost, that is a fact today. Gasoline tax gets sent to the federal government and every state is mandated to report statistics of the, on their roadways of classification of vehicles, so vehicle types, how many there were, so counts, uh, and then speeds. And doing that uh, submission to the federal government is what unlocks funding back to the states. So if they can do that more accurately, then they are actually able to maximize the funding back to their state. Well, the thing is that what's been out there for literally 40, 50, 60 years, you've seen tubes, rubber tubes across a road. That's an example. You've run over them a million, billion times. Or you, if you look at any given highway or roadway, especially as you go up to a stoplight, you're going to look, it looks like a patchwork going on on the, on the asphalt because it's been cut up a bunch of times. There's squares in there. Those are inductive loops and all kinds of sensors in there designed to do what? Count, class, and speed. Well, so the, that, the inductive loops are also to, uh, they measure the, the electromagnetic field that measures metal and it'll change the signal box to change the traffic signal. That's right. And there's a bunch of different use cases for that, but you know, class, count, and speed is one of them. Yeah. So states use that mechanism and companies like STS, who are now part of the Recor family, and even uh, ATD, which is a, uh, called All Traffic Data in Colorado, uh, is a, another company that we brought into our family as well uh, through an acquisition just announced earlier this year. Since 2001, has been doing uh, work across the state of Colorado and far, far beyond that. But nationwide is what's ha- all of this stuff is happening nationwide. And we're bringing uh, old technology and that's obsolete. We're able to flip that into an AI-based always on, always ready, always accurate kind of paradigm. It changes the game for how data collection is done for states that are looking to do this, and we do it nationwide. My guest is David DeHarnay. He's the president of Recore Systems as well as the COO. We're talking about AI and how it helps in uh, traffic prediction and traffic services. So where does this technology go from here? What is next for not only Recore, but the, the technology, the AI technology? It's changing so much. We didn't even talk about regulation on AI and how that might affect your business. But how could all of this affect you in the next year or five or ten years? Well, I think there's a lot of lot of change, a lot of, I would say, executive orders coming out of the White House uh, on cybersecurity, on AI, uh, in particular, Europe, which in many cases um, leads when it comes to traffic-related activities. They're just signing on February 2nd, just signed a policy for an EU AI policy, EUI, 27 countries underneath the umbrella there. And that's something that is moving very quickly here in the U.S. as well. So being very much locked and loaded with what that what those um uh you know what's happening in that space is is uh, critical for us and we are today on the forefront of that and we expect to remain there so but that will also challenge the existing technologies that are out there and will will really drive a movement to 
an AI-based system um, because the other systems that are out there that are legacy or incomplete cannot do the job anymore and they're and they're breaking down and AI ends up being the answer there uh, as far as we can tell you. But the policy, we have to stay in lockstep with those. And that's something that uh, I expect will actually be a benefit to our business as more states are now grappling with how to deal with that and tackling it head on. And we become a, a very ready solution for them to be able to do that. And what other ways are you going to be able to help out in the future? Are there undiscovered or, or unthought of or, or cutting edge technology ways that your AI is going to be able to help in the next five or 10 or 15 or 20 years? Well, one of the things that um, that we're seeing today, I'll get a, a couple of things I would say, but one in particular is, is it's not just at a state level, it's how states are operating together across state lines, for example. Um, you know, if you look at going back to that, you know, over overweight truck scenario, right? It uh, it crosses state lines. It's it's often it's going from one state to another state and once it leaves the state, the next state doesn't know what's going on. They got to restart. And so that inefficiency is something that uh, we're seeing more and more uh, being addressed and and something that like Texas and how they how Texas works with New Mexico in El, in El Paso on the on the border plex, which, you know, there's a lot going on there. But the need for states to be able to collaborate and not operate in silos anymore is becoming paramount. So that is something that I see as a big macro shift. So what you end up having is you have uh, an operating system for the roadway, much like you have an internet. You'll have a mobility internet that you know traverses state lines and allows states to work together collaboratively on things like this. Another weirdo thing that that may surprise you, but you know, space is a real thing, and there's a there's a you know the higher you go up, the more you can see. Yeah. Right, And as you start to looking at things like sustainability, uh, if you're looking at weather patterns and smog and greenhouse gas emissions, which is absolutely real, transportation is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas uh, emissions that are out there. Uh, understanding from a, a, a high viewpoint on what's moving and how it's moving and where it's settling uh, and being able to take proactive measures to, to address it, there's a lot going on in this space. And I believe that we're just just at the forefront of yeah. a revolution. Uh, because really, as, as you talk about it, well, one, going back to the truck in the state's issue, I was thinking about, a, let's say, an overweight truck going from Hoboken to Manhattan. I mean, Siri, that there are tons. Of, that's one of the busiest truck areas right there in Hoboken, and you're going from one state to another. And, and then you're talking about, you know, in the air, and I don't think you were getting it flying cars, but uh, the way people are driving next to me right now, I don't want to see them in the air next to me. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. You know, and the, the whole autonomous driving thing is, is uh, I think it's a, it's going to be a while yet. You know what I mean? But, you know, maybe that's a five years, maybe that's 10 years, maybe that's 20 years, maybe that's never. Yeah, you, you know, we, we can't predict because there's so much, so much work to be done on that to, to raise the public uh, sort of uh, comfort level with that. Um, and so it's more of a change management thing than it's technology. And, and, you're, and you're, this technology could even maybe go to... Uh, aircraft flying and 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 helping that or shipping uh, when, when I'm talking shipping uh, uh, ocean shipping that sort of thing, right? Yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles, yeah. uh, for sure. <laughs> exactly. Well, th David has been fascinating. I, I wish you the best of luck. I know you guys just uh, started uh, uh, selling stocks, and so best of luck with all of that. Thank you, Jason. Really good to be with you today. I appreciate the conversation. Another fascinating conversation there, uh, and and AI. I don't know if it's scary. It's actually quite cool. I, I did try, as as I told David, uh, to plug in a couple of my driving you crazy questions into the uh, software, but it doesn't really understand what I do, um, and it, because there's there, there there isn't precedent for my questions. When somebody asked me about if you can pick up rocks along the side of the roadway or why is Highway 285 a north-south road when it runs east and west in Denver um, and, and and what's this rail transfer facility all about up in Adams County, it, it can't understand those questions because there's nothing to draw from uh, in the past. Uh, once I write a story about something, and it's published, then the AI can go find that information from the internet and then draw and try to make conclusions. But it, it, unless the questions are, are almost identical, which my questions that are coming into me are, are never really that way, 
I mean, I have I had somebody ask me uh, one of my more recent ones is there are these bus only traffic signals in certain parts of town. Well, the, a good one was the. Uh, the snow covers on top of the uh, traffic signals uh, that keep the snow uh, off of the traffic signals, the LED lights, right? Uh, there's one uh, about this uh, highway here in town with this big dip in it that actually led me down <laughs> a, a research path to see how bridges are constructed and why there could be a dip right there before a bridge structure is, is in place. And it's all about settling uh, about the uh, the soil that's right there next to where the bridge is and how it can settle and and how it, they didn't maybe build the, or put the uh, fill dirt in correctly and pack it down and then you can get these dips. Anyway, uh, it, it was really interesting. But anyway, the AI can't write these stories, not that my company scripts would allow that for that to happen or me as a journalist would allow that to happen either. But I was doing it as an experiment to see what the AI would come up with compared to what I would come up with. And, and the AI really does interesting things and, and it can take a whole lot of, of data. And one of the greatest things I've seen it do recently is in my Amazon purchases, I'm looking for something on Amazon and it takes all the reviews and it says most of the reviews say this or doesn't like this or enjoys this aspect of this product. That That's useful to me because then I don't have to read all of these uh, different reviews or the 400 or 500 reviews on Amazon, it pulls out some of the pros and the top cons and then presents that to you. And I, I can easily digest that. Um, I've dabbled around with the AI a little bit with image drawing things where, where there's one website where you can say, I would like to see a cat in a, a sweater vest riding a surfboard and it will make it for you. And it's, <laughs> I mean, really, you could do anything like that. And it's fascinating to watch how the AI draws that and just comes up with something. I made this really fun uh, birthday poster for my daughter with a, a similar thing with a cat that does this and that. And, and it says, happy birthday, Jolene. And, and I put that up uh, for all her friends to come when they were coming over to the house. So th there are some interesting things with AI, and I'm sure there's going to be regulations in the future. So it'll be interesting to see how Recore and other companies adjust to regulation of AI and how that might change uh, the business model or change the data collection uh, and then obviously would change how the AI spits that information back out and how useful that information could be in the future. Uh, I guess only the future will tell. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again to David for, uh, for joining me and thank you for being here and for listening as always. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.